Welcome to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And today we are tackling a very difficult issue in the church, um, one that in light of just in this uh, past week or so, the United Methodist Church has been grappling with, um, and that is the issue of having uh, clergy that are in same-gender relationships. And also the same-gender marriage. I mean, they've they've kind of been dealing with both, and this is something that the ELCA... um, dealt with in 2009 and split the church. We're obviously not hoping to do that, to replicate the splitting of the church again, Um, but I think it is an issue um, that's prevalent in society and obviously was just national news last week. Um, So we decided, maybe more me more than Pastor Rebecca, that this was a a topic that that was worthy of discussion um, because frankly, we both have um, colleagues who happen to fall into that category um, that are extremely faithful and gifted uh, leaders of congregations, along with personal friends. So this, this is something that touches so many lives um, that we're both um, involved with and people that we know. Um, but we're deciding we're not going to tackle this issue alone. We brought in some backup. Um, so we have a, a guest podcaster with us this week. Um, who happens to be my wife, but it's good to use the resources that you have. Um, And she's a licensed mental health counselor um, and has done a bit of research on the LGBT uh, community, sexuality, gender orientation, and stuff that uh, we use these words and maybe don't know the definitions. Um, You know, we use the acronym LGBT, and then there's an LGBTQ, and I think now there's an LGBTQ+. And we keep throwing letters at it. We go, what are those things? Um, So we're realizing that one of the things we need to do as pastors is know our limitations and where our our expertise kind of falls. So we brought in someone that knows more than we do. Figuring out the language just to begin with. Yeah. Hey, welcome. Thank you. So I I think the first thing, let's let's tackle the, the alphabet part of it. Um, so just basically tell us a little bit about your um, qualifications, the work you've done, but maybe start with that, with that, with what the, what the alphabet means. Okay. So, um, the accepted sort of alphabet soup that we typically use is the LGBTQ plus. That's the most current. Um, the plus stands for sort of all of those additional letters. When you look at different sources, it varies from source to source what those additional letters are. The most accepted um, full alphabet soup is LGBTQQIAAP2S. I didn't even know all those letters existed. (laughs) Well, I knew they existed in the alphabet, but in this realm. Um, So... uh, the, the initial abbreviation was LGB, which, was, which is lesbian, gay, and bisexual. Um, later on, um, the T was added for transgender, which is a huge umbrella over gender identities. Following this, um, they added the first Q, um, which was questioning. So individuals who um, are sort of uh, finding their identity. Um, the second cue was added for queer. This was the community sort of embracing this term that was used in a negative way. And so often you will hear people today, especially younger people, identify as queer or call it the queer community versus sort of the alphabet soup. It kind of gets rid of that. 
and I'm not going to go into too much detail about and, it. And but queer, queer is now acceptable. Yes, it you know in an appropriate manner. There is a theory um, called queer theory, which really is to take away labels. And so when you hear people say that they are queer or that you know they're talking about the queer community, it's to kind of eliminate the need for the alphabet soup because it's not about labels. I don't have to label myself. I am who I am. Okay. Um, so this is followed by I, which is intersex um, individuals. There's two A's. The the initial A that was added stood for ally, and I'll get back to that in a minute. And the next A that was added was asexual. There are some people in using this abbreviation that eliminate the original A for ally and use a single A for asexual. The reason is because in order to be an ally to a community, sort of the defining characteristic of an ally is that you are not part of the community. So adding allies into this alphabet soup kind of makes them a part of a community that they're not truly a part of. So there's some controversy surrounding that that original A. P is for pansexual, and then the 2S is for two-spirit. Oh, excuse me. The, the P could be for pansexual or polysexual, kind of use those two different terms, and then 2S is two-spirit. Okay, I'm going to admit all of that was really super overwhelming for me to like take in and digest. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to put some, some resources on our podcast links to them so that people want to get a little bit more information on that. They can. Yeah, that was a lot. And that's okay. That's okay. Cause I asked the question and I got the answers. Just, it was, I didn't know the answer was that deep, which is one of the reasons we're doing this. I mean, one of the reasons we do, you do a podcast is to disseminate information and, and educate. So we definitely hit that note. So one of the things, one of the things, Christina, that I, that I struggle with is, is I think we tend to use them sort of interchangeably is sexuality and gender. Can you make a distinction, not just for me, to kind of clarify the difference between sexuality and gender? Um, Because I'm guessing if I have that question, maybe someone else does as well. Sure. So gender identity is how inside of your brain you make sense of who you are. So it's your level of womanness as well as your level of manness. There's, most people don't fit on one of those 100%. Most of us are, you know, what we would call the traditional level of, of womanness and maybe a little bit traditional manliness. So, so traditionally we had male, female, and, and it's evolved into there's now a spectrum and everybody is somewhere on that spectrum. Is that sort is that, of, um, okay. it, it used to be a dichotomy with womanness on one side, manness on the other. And we kind of fell in a spectrum there. But what we're starting to understand is that there are actually two different lines. So we have zero womanness all the way to 100% womanness and zero manness to 100% manness. And we actually fall on both of those lines. Okay. And the same thing with sexual identity. It's one line is being attracted to women, femininity, or females. And the other line is men, masculinity, and males. And we fall somewhere on those two lines. It's basically who we're attracted to. 
Okay, that, that, that is helpful. That is helpful. And I think, I think at this point, if you're listening to this podcast and you're currently having heart palpitations or um, your breathing is, is accelerated because of the anxiety level of this topic, uh, take a deep breath um, as we continue to work through this because it is, it is a difficult and it is a challenging issue. And this isn't an issue um, that we chose without the knowledge that it does raise some eyebrows and it does make people uncomfortable. But it certainly is not something that we're typically going to discuss um, on a Sunday morning, 10 to 15 minute sermon. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. <laughs> However, um, to, be, to be fair and to be honest, it is something that we need to be more comfortable with, have a better understanding of, because we find in our pews people across the spectrum. Yep. Um, and, and, that, and that's pretty standard in most congregations. And I would like to think uh, that when a church puts a notion, a, a a message out that says all are welcome, um, which is one of my least favorite things that the church says, that that extends to our LGBTQ plus um, individuals as well. So I, I was going to say, so I'm going to boil it down to when we talk about this, what is the proper statement to use? Is it LGBTQ plus? Is it LGBTQ? Is it queer? Is it what's, what, what's the proper thing when we're saying, okay, we're going to talk about this topic and here's the reference I'm going to use. So again, LGBTQ plus is the accept, accepted acronym okay. at this point, but also queer identities is acceptable. Um, again, using queer identities is sort of taking out all of those individual labels and saying that we as a community have our own identities and okay. we don't need to be labeled. And, and I think it, part of the struggle, especially within the church, that I think needs to, we just need to put that out there. The, the big struggle in the church when we are addressing issues of LGBTQ plus is the fact that the Bible either is very negative in any of its references to any kind of relationships along those lines. I would hesitate to even call them relationships, but just the, the way in which the Bible tends to address it. It is never in a positive light um, because you can, you know, you can say, oh, well, the Bible also says this about women in ministry, except for the fact that then you have some positive places where women obviously are in ministry and, and doing those kinds of things. So the, the real struggle is that we don't ever get a positive view of uh, LGBTQ plus in scripture. And, right. so, so we're and talking, that's our struggle. Yeah, we're talking Genesis, we're talking Leviticus, we're talking you know, some of Paul's letters yeah. and Romans, things like that. But um, Jesus never brings it up. I mean, that's, yeah, that's so, one of the interesting things is that for whatever reason we have decided to make that the defining element of church and of church leadership, that it's all about your, your sexual orientation it's all about your your sexual activity it's all about that and that is what determines whether or not you can be a good church leader and i'm not sure how we got to the point of that became the litmus test yeah i i also find it interesting that jesus never once mentions it mentions it um, he talks about money a lot we don't want to talk about money in the church um, he talks about money all the time um, and we have people that complain that we we push the money thing too too much correct correct um and that that's a that's a good topic i'll write that down as a topic for another another <laughs> podcast money in the church um that'd be good because hey let's face it we're not ducking it if we're taking on this topic there's no topic we're not gonna 
we're not going to tackle at some point. I, 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 but I do find it interesting that Jesus never once mentions it. We're quick to dismiss Leviticus. You know, I love, I love me some bacon and things like that. Well, um, and it's followed up by in, you know, Leviticus 19, which is love your neighbor. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. in Leviticus and, too. Which... And, I mean, I don't want to take it back to Jesus, but I mean, to take it back to Jesus, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? It was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Period. End of story. Like, absolutely end of story. Well, and he goes into this long thing as well in, in Matthew 23 about the weightier matters of the law, where if you are not loving and, you know, showing mercy and, and love and justice, if those things, along with faith, are not uh, being exemplified, then all the other stuff you're doing is pretty pointless that you're worrying about because he talks about the whole straining of the gnats because, of course, you know, law was... Uh, that you couldn't eat anything unclean, and therefore uh, they were straining the gnats out. And he says, "Well, you know what? If you're not you're not loving people, if you're not you know concerned about the poor and the marginalized and the people that are on the fringes, then all of your other stuff that you're concerned about here that doesn't matter. That yeah. that doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form. You might as well go eat a camel that's really unclean, um, because I've never had camel." I, I haven't either. My guess is because it, it was, it's probably a really nasty, unclean animal. <laughs> but then so are pigs, so whatever. I love you some pigs. <laughs> love you some bacon. So, and I, so I think that kind of leads us down a path to how we interpret Scripture. Because you know, some people will take Scripture and they will read it literally. And there's, all, there's different ways to read Scripture. Well, for instance, if we're going to really take it literally, um, Proverbs 23 talks about gluttony and says, A glutton should slit their own throat. This is Fat Tuesday, by the way. It is Fat Tuesday. How ironic. <laughs> where, are your, where are your pancakes? Shrove, I, didn't eat, I, had, I had no pancakes or no donuts yet, yet today. But the, the fact that Scripture doesn't ever really paint um, being a glutton in a good light either. And I'm pretty sure we've got a lot of really overweight people, pastors, parishioners, etc., who aren't going out and taking the the Proverbs command to go slit our throats. And, you know, and thankfully, I, yeah, thankfully, thankfully, yeah, this is this is not a not a good thing to go do. Especially but, when Lutherans and potlucks go hand in hand. I think often. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, I put I lump myself into that category. You know, I'm I'm a food man. You know, good food. I love me some good food. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> and so when I start looking at okay, so. Which of these things are we going to start saying are the defining things that say you do this, therefore you and or you are this, and therefore you cannot be a leader? Right. And that's where I begin to start kind of going. Now wait a minute. What? Why are we putting this or that? But I had I had someone tell me that we were having this discussion and. They, at the time, viewed me as a good pastor. We love you as a pastor. We love you as a pastor. But if you were gay, we wouldn't. And went, wait a minute. Well, how does, how does, what does that have to do with my ability to be a pastor? I, I understand the arguments through Scripture, but to have someone say, I believe in you as a pastor, but if you were this, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. And I, I, that, that, I think, for me, was deeply troubling 
um, to take somebody who's wow, you're extremely gifted at what you do, and and but if that if, if that is your lifestyle, if that is your sexuality, uh, then well, no, never mind. And I think we need to maybe look also at when we talk about we are God created us. Yep. That is our our basic God created us, and let's face it, God created people to be LGBTQ+. So, so, that's, so what do we do with that? That's that God did that. <laughs> so, so that's a bone of contention, though. Some people yeah. say it's a choice versus creation, and that's something that, that people really <laughs> kind of hammer on. And my question has always been, why would you choose a lifestyle that, that you end up being persecuted for? And I don't know if, Christina, if you can kind of weigh in here, because we may be getting into waters that we're less qualified to swim in. Yeah, so there's, there's evidence in um, the study of biology that there, first there are more than 450 animal species that exhibit same-sex partnership. Um, so for example, sheep, dolphins, penguins, etc. So this is something that occurs naturally. So um, people are gonna say, well, we're not animals, we're people. I mean, that, that'll be an argument. Right, and I understand that, but biologically, we are mammals, we are animals. But studies also done um, with hormones and early development have noted some differences, natural variations in in individuals who have uh, gender or sexual identities that are not heterosexual or cisgender. And so there are some differences in the brain and um, with the hormones um, of these individuals. Most of the research has been done on gay men, so it doesn't look at the broad spectrum quite as much. However, the information is there. And so along with the resource links that will be posted with this um, is a site, lgbtscience.org, which talks a lot about the biological evidence, which I'm not (laughs) as qualified to get into. And so that's definitely a great resource to to take a look at. I I think it is is one of those things that that we go back to creation and, and we have this you know, be fruitful and multiply, um, which then goes takes us down a whole a whole discourse on how sex is viewed in the church. Was it only for procreation? And at one point, at one point in the church's view, or maybe I think like in the 11th century, um, celibacy was the highest order, was the was the highest spiritual path. And I, I mean, I don't. Well, I mean, and that gets us into a broader discussion of, of sexuality in the church and and those issues, which could be its own podcast, quite frankly. Correct. Because I mean, then, then, then we're delving into all of the abuse that is, you know, of course, coming out at the same time as this topic, kind of in conjunction with it, all of what's going on in, in the Catholic Church with the, the abuses there, the Southern Baptist Church and the abuses there. And, you know, it's not like our denomination is completely devoid of that kind of abuse either. Right. doesn't seem to be quite as, as rampant, or at least it's not being caught as much. <laughs> Something along those lines, don't know which it is. But those issues of how we view human sexuality, the roles of genders, everything... It all plays into this and all has the ability for uh, some massive abuses and harmful situations. I mean, let's face it, if you sit there and you start telling uh, someone who 
is an LGBTQ person, plus person, that, well, I don't care that that's how you were created. You just have to deny every part of you that is in that realm. And because God hates it, God hates that part of you. No wonder kids commit suicide. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if that is the message you are receiving is that, well, God hates this part of you that you honestly really have no control over how you you feel, how you orient, how you how you are, of course that is going to have a horrific detrimental effect on anyone that is trying to grapple with that whole identity. And let's face it, even if you are even if you're heterosexual and quote Growing up normal, I have my air quotes on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because the, the older I get, the more I realize I don't think there is such a thing as normal. Uh, <laughs> abnormal is the normal. Yeah, abnormal is the is, is the normal. But even that, I mean, oh my gosh, going through that phase of life in general is just so ridiculous and and confusing and weird, and it's and to have and to have groups of people tell you that your experience of that is wrong or or outside of the realm of what is acceptable correct yeah. so um some information on conversion therapy which is designed to change a person's sexual orientation is that banned in florida or is it that... is um there has been a bill that has been brought up several times in florida to ban it with minors so people under 18. okay it thus far has been shot down um, so it is not banned in Florida. It has been banned, however, through the American Psychological Association and the American Counseling Association. The idea is, is to prevent these behaviors from happening. However, the individual still holds that identity and orientation. And so statistically, individuals who are put through conversion therapy are six times as likely to suffer from depression, are three times as likely to engage in drug use, three times more at risk for HIV and STDs, and eight times more likely to attempt suicide. Yeah, that's scary. That's absolutely scary. So I have, I have, I have a friend who is deeply, deeply religious and deeply faithful who's gay. And we had like a 45-minute, might have been longer because we both like to talk, conversation about this topic maybe two years, two or three years ago. And he was telling his story about his experience in the church and, and this, and I, I don't think this is a new phrase, but essentially praying the gay away. Um, and, he tr and, and he confessed that, you know, he tried when, to pray the gay away and to show up in church and sit with his, with his family and, not, and know that he was not accepted, how difficult and challenging that was. Now, what, what, is, what is crazy to me, and I say this as a pastor, is that he still deeply, deeply believes, his faith is, is, is deeply ingrained in who he is. I would say as ingrained as his sexuality. And it, it, was, it, was, it was both hopeful and painful to listen to, listen to his story and, and, and this notion of trying to pray the gay away. And before he realized, you know, this is who I am and I can't pray it away. You know, I had, we, we have a colleague, a pastoral colleague, I don't know that Pastor Rebecca knows him, but that, that I know that, that is gay. And, and we had a conversation. He was married before. Um, he did things, quote, the right way, the, the normal way, which you're supposed to do. Um, got married and had kids. And 
Shockingly, I guess it I'm going to guess it fell apart. It did fall apart. And, and here's, here's the, the, interesting, the interesting way he put it. He said, I felt like I was in a fishbowl swimming in the wrong fishbowl. I did not belong, and, and I knew it from the start. It, there was nothing about it that felt right other than it's what I was supposed to do. Um, and we, you know, sort of, so I think we tend to lump people and say, well, this is the fishbowl that you're supposed to be in. And we put them in that fishbowl and, and don't really care if, it's, if that's how, how it's supposed to be or not. And you know, the, the other place I struggle, we have, we have so many issues with marriage um, in, in society. And I don't know what the latest divorce rate is, but it's over 50%. Well, I mean, we're both divorced. We're two for two. <laughs> yeah, we're two we're for two. We're both divorced. Um, and... And we, we use the, the same-sex same sex marriage thing as, as it's going to deteriorate or detract from, from marriage, but we really haven't dealt with the issue that marriage is already broken the way, we, the way it's handled in, in, in this country. And that has nothing to do with, um, with same-sex same relationships. That's, that's our, own, our own issue No, it, 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 ha it has to do, well, obviously it has to do with at our core, being sinful human beings, um, we tend to wind up in broken relationships, especially in marital ones. And in in several cases, you know, being in a um, an abusive marriage, you know, whether it's yeah. a physically abusive, whether it is uh, an emotionally, mentally abusive marriage, I mean, that is not that is not loving and respecting the person that that you are you are married to and I think that's kind of what and I even think from a biblical standpoint when we we get into some of what perhaps um, even Paul is talking about when he is talking about the 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 exchanging of relationships or whatever that that it has more to do with the fact that these are not relationships that um, are being you know, born out of mutual respect, these are, you know, acts that are being carried out for either whether it was for pagan rituals, whether it was for, you know, the, if you look at, say, you know, like Sodom and Gomorrah, that was about rape. That was not about whether it was men or, or women, because let's face it, Sodom and Gomorrah, what did they want to do? They wanted to rape the guys, but then they, the, the solution was, but well, we'll give them the women instead. And that gets played out again in Judges 19, where the same thing happens. They come to uh, rape the, the, the guest in uh, this, this area of uh, Benjamin. And what do they do? They throw the concubine out. And then she gets raped and killed. And it's, this is that it has nothing to do with what the or you know what they're going towards whether it was a male whether it was a female did not matter it was about the violence it was about the the control it was about the um that's just the just wanting to debase somebody and do terrible things to them yeah i so i suspect i don't know how we're probably about 30 minutes in i i don't my goal with this with this topic is maybe not to take someone from, from, from homosexuality as an abomination. And there was, a, there was a pastor, I think, in North Carolina that said, well, we should just put a fence up um, and put all of the gay people inside that fence and then they'll all die and we'll be, 
will be freed from homosexuality. Now, we know from some creation stuff, come on, that's really not realistic, not to mention it's horrifying, and um, let's just say that it doesn't, that, that kind of language and that kind of belief does not belong in the church, um, let alone in, in, let, in society, let alone in the church, which is deeply disturbing. But uh, I, it, maybe, we need to, maybe we need to kind of talk, of, talk just briefly, what are best practices? How can, we, how can we interact and how can we engage that community in a loving way, in an accepting way that affirms their personhood? Um, because let's be honest, we don't know, nor should we, what the what the marital status and and I really don't want to know about the sex lives of my parishioners. To yeah, be honest. I didn't want to be really that don't. blunt. Yeah. I, I, wow, I was not being blunt. <laughs> that is not like me. Uh, I'm sorry I, for dancing. I don't want to know about your sex life. I'll just I'll just put that right there. I yeah, really I'll, don't. I'll echo that. I don't want I don't want that I don't want that out there either. But so and, and that goes for you know regardless of of your sexuality. That's yeah. not something. But it's something that the church focuses on so much. But I think I think maybe if we can come away with this. Um, and there will be scriptural debate that I'm guessing will happen um, via email and conversations after this, after this podcast uh, goes out um, on the airwaves. Uh, I, I suspect we will hear feedback, and, and, and we welcome it um, you know, in a respectful... Um, in a respect, <laughs> okay, maybe welcoming it isn't the right I, I word. I was going to say, I don't know if that's quite the right word. But, but. It's the, the reality is you don't do something like this, put it out into the public sphere and not... Ex, and not um, expect some ex, pushback. Expect some either pushback or, or just good dialogue. Um, and I think we're lacking in society right now good dialogue. So Christina, in terms of engaging with, having conversation with, what are some, some maybe some tips or some tools that we can put out there to help us interact or engage in ways that are that are healthy not just for us but for for the lgbtq plus community as well i think one of the first things um you guys kind of alluded to is is not to actually ask someone's sexual orientation if you would not want someone to come up to you and ask what you do with your partner hey um, i'm chad who are you sleeping with you know consensually yeah. and you know in in privacy then that's not an appropriate question to ask someone okay. however if they offer an identity to you um if they say explain explain what that means offer if an they identity say, i am a lesbian okay you could say to them what does that mean so i mean most people i think have an understanding of lesbian what that term means, but if they were to say to you, I identify as pansexual, I identify as ace, uh, you know, you can ask the question of, okay, so I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that term, what does that mean? But you only do it once they kind of give you that offer. So that's, that's the first big one. Another one regarding gender identity is that it's okay to ask someone what their pronouns are. Um, it is perfectly okay to say, what pronouns do you prefer? And then listen when they tell you them. Another, another kind of connected to that is if you make a mistake with someone's pronouns and they correct you, don't make a big deal of it. You apologize, you correct yourself, and you move forward. Awesome. Um, I think... In addition to kind of reaching out and connecting that way, it's important for us to sort of make ourselves known as safe people. So, for example, on a name tag, I could write, my name is Christina, and then underneath 
I can simply write my preferred pronouns. That would indicate to other people who may identify under the trans umbrella that I'm a safe person for them to tell me what their preferred pronouns are. I, I, think, I think for me that's one of the... The church should be a safe place. Yeah. I mean, if the church is not a safe place, then... And I, it's not. Let's just, let's just be honest about that. Uh, it is not a safe place right now for LGBTQ+. Plus. Um, no matter... And that's, even, and that's church with a capital C. Yeah, because they're, yeah. yeah. The church, as in, in the overarching, is, is, is not just, universally safe. Yeah, because even though in the ELCA, uh, we do now, quote, allow for same gender relationships among our clergy, congregations still have the right and the ability to say, we are not going to interview any pastors right. that identify as LGBTQ+. We just aren't going to have that. So the discrimination is still there, even if our our constitution bylaws within the ELCA say Correct. it is permissible. And to me, it's just one of those things where um, when you when you're welcoming people into a church and you're and you're trying to be you know welcoming to the LGBTQ plus community, uh, especially if you're in a church that doesn't have or will not have that in their leadership, and they say, "Oh, but we're, you're you're perfectly welcome to come and worship here. You just can't ever be a leader." How truly welcoming is that? Sure. I mean, is that really saying we we do embrace you, accept you? But if you're feeling called to leadership, sorry. And there's a difference between saying someone can come in your front door and sit down and place their place their butt in your pew yeah. and put money in your offering plate. There's, that's a distinction between someone being accepted as who they are, welcomed into leadership, and welcomed into the ministry of the church. I think there's there's two distinctions. Well, there. I yeah. think that there's there's also the distinction between being welcoming and being affirming. And mm -hmm. so it's very, nice. very easy to say that all are welcome here and will be treated pleasantly and not having, you know, the segregation between, oh, men sit here and women sit here. There's a men's bathroom and a women's bathroom, but are there gender neutral bathrooms? Are oh. we dividing along gender lines? Are we using pronouns to describe God that are masculine? And so there's lots of things that seem like small things, but can really end up being huge in showing that you're affirming individuals that don't identify as heterosexual and cisgender. Yeah, and I, I, th I think it's, it's an area that church has a lot of work to do. Church with a capital C mm -hmm. um, has a lot of work to do in. I think for us here, um, I, I think we have work to do. I think we have work to do as a congregation, if we're being completely honest, in, in terms of being not just welcoming, but affirming that community. So, so as Lutherans, I wonder what Luther would say. So I have a quote from Martin Luther. Of course you do. Of course I do. So hear me out. So Luther said, Weddings and the marriage, married estate are worldly affairs. The church's role is not, a, is not to legalize marriage, but to provide comfort and strength in God's name for couples that come asking for God's blessing. Now, this quote, obviously, nobody sat Martin Luther down and did a podcast and say, hey, Marty, um, what do you what do you think about same-sex marriage? But I'm not sure that this doesn't still hold true. Uh, if people are coming and asking for a blessing on their marriage and want God to be a part of their marriage, I 
think, in my personal opinion, it behooves us as the church to bless that marriage and bring God into it. Because let's face it, there's a lot of marriages, um, heterosexual marriages, that God is absent from. And um, perhaps if God was more active in those marriages, maybe, maybe, we, maybe the divorce rate wouldn't be 50% um, or over 50%. So I thought that was an interesting quote from, from good old Marty Luther on... Okay, I just have this vision now of Martin Luther sitting down to do a podcast. Maybe we can really, have him as a guest. That's really... Yeah, maybe we can have him as a guest. <laughs> um, and then I saw a quote this morning from Pastor Scott Sauls, and I wish I could, I wish I could remember where he is. Um, and it says this, when you pride yourself on sound doctrine, which I think Lutherans tend to pride themselves on sound doctrine, when you pride yourselves on sound doctrine and don't love people on the basis of that doctrine, you prove your doctrine to be unsound. That was powerful for me. And I, I'm, I'm going to go with not quite so powerful um, of a, a quote, but something I saw recently that, of course, I've seen before, but I think also sums it up quite well, which is the uh, love everybody and let God sort it out later. Ah, uh, yes, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 that, and that really is where I come down to because, as you've heard in, my, in other podcasts, where I'm very much a we are not God, we don't get to make those judgments. We do a lot of things that we do in the church for the sake of Luther's big thing, good order. Yeah. It's also one of Paul's big things was for, quote, good order. But if it's at the, that good order is at the expense of uh, someone else's dignity and worth, uh, then we need to reevaluate that. Uh, and it, it's always a matter of, I guess, if, if I'm going to have to stand before God, and give an accounting of my life in, in some fashion, and which, which side do I want to you know, fall on as far as, well, did you keep all the rules and the regulations and do all of that, or did you love people? Yeah. And, and I want to be able to, to say to the best of my ability, I loved as best as I could, and I, I, I tried not to, I mean, let's face it, we're human beings, so some amount of judgment is always going to come in of judging people's behavior, et cetera, et cetera, which we're called to do as well to a certain degree. There's always that fine line of holding people accountable for harmful activities that, that is not pursuant of, of, you know, making life for others a good place to live, but to, to be able to embrace life, to, to affirm, to love people where they're at and I'll let God sort out whether I was wrong in doing that. Have you seen the show The Good Life? I've seen bits and pieces. I've not okay. seen the whole thing. So, so I don't. I, the, good place. the Good Place. The Good Place. The good place. Yeah, I'm sorry. The Good, the place. good place. Yeah, Christine and I watch that. She corrects me all the time. I'm used to it. The Good Place. So when you, it's it's basically about this afterlife, the notion of afterlife, and you accumulate a score. And I don't, was, was it like the goodness score or whatever it is? I don't remember what the label for that score was. I'm with Pastor Rebecca. I want to accumulate as many love points, as many goodness points <laughs> as I can. And, and when my time comes to face judgment, to face God, my, my defense is going to be, I really try to love people. Yeah. And I, I tried to follow what Jesus told me to do, yeah. which was he said to love God and love your neighbor. And... And there That's, is no asterisk on that. No. There is no asterisk. There is no fine print. It is love God, love your neighbor. Yep. Period. All right. 
I think that's a good place to end. And I, 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 I commend you if you've made it to the end of this podcast for sticking with us. I know for some, this topic is, is deeply challenging, deeply emotional, and, and, and really tough. Um, and if, if you're feeling that way, feel free to reach out to us. Yeah, you, um, can, you can get a hold of us by uh, sending us your, your topic requests to ipccrackedpots at gmail.com. Love your neighbor. That's all Thanks I got. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Christina. And thank, and thank you, Christina, for, for joining us as well. Thank you for having me.